Hey everyone, it's Wednesday night. That means it's the Longhorn live stream, and I'm your host on Wednesdays, Ray Peters. I'm alongside Justin Wells, our recruiting and University of Texas football expert. Justin, how about your traditional? There you go, buddy. And Rod Babers, Longhorn uh, legend there, the defensive backfield, longtime uh, media member uh, in the Austin market, and he's uh, an X's and O's uh, specialist, and he's here to give us some more insight on uh, what it's like to be a uh, uh, football expert and tell us uh, what we can look for coming up uh, this weekend. Hey guys, there's a, a football game uh, scheduled for Saturday, right? I guess we've uh, we've okay. uh, played this uh, opponent before. I believe it might be the one we played more than anybody else. Uh, I'm not sure if it, I heard that last week. It was Oklahoma or A&M, our longest rival. I think it's Oklahoma. Uh, it's one of those two, but yeah, we know these guys uh, pretty well. So it's a uh, Red River rivalry time or shootout or whatever you want to call it, but it's uh, at the Cotton Bowl down the middle. It's going to be a fun one. Uh, Texas at uh, number three, Oklahoma number 12, I believe are the ratings we usually uh, look at. So it should be a lot of fun. And uh, I've seen some comments already. People are asking about various things. And so we've got the big game coming up and uh, we're going to have some recruits uh, in the stands and we've got a recruiting expert with us. So let's just tap into the recruiting information here to get started with and uh, Justin. What can you give us as an update regarding our recruiting and uh, this weekend in Dallas? Yeah, there's been a handful of questions already. Be sure and get them in as you can. Um, you know, the big thing with th with this Texas OU recruiting weekend is too many fans are making what it isn't. And, and that's because it's a foundation for 2025. Let's be honest. There's only a few spots left in the class of 2024. Kobe Black, Ryan Wingo. Uh, guys like that, that, you know, they're going to be in different places this weekend. They won't be in Dallas, but you still have a handful of commits that are going to be on campus or not on campus on the state fairgrounds. But most notably, you're going to have some of the best 2025s in the nation, including the number one back in the country, Harlan Berry. He's out of Metairie, Louisiana, uh, St. Martin's Episcopal. He's the he is a state champion track star. He is an incredible running back. He is going to be on campus. I mean, I keep saying campus. I'm so used to these <laughs> visitors being at school because Texas is the host this year, so they get to they get to host all these recruits. But you know, having Harlem Berry on, on, on board is big, in my opinion. I think that's a that's a huge get. Um, Emory Winston. That's a name I want you guys to to learn. He's a, a tight end, a 2025 out of Calhoun, Georgia. Uh, 6'3", about 230. Uh, Jeff Banks is in, and Tashar Choice have been on him pretty solid. He He's one of the best tight ends in the country. Ohio State, Tennessee, Florida in the mix there. Um, he's going to be at the State Fair. He's there as a guest to Texas. He loves Jatavian Sanders. That, that's a big selling point for him. I asked him, you know, what half of our conversation revolved around J Jatavian and him learning that Jatavia never played tight end in high school. He played wide receiver and he played edge, basically defensive end, outside linebacker, and pinned his ears. He had to learn how to play tight end in Austin. That was a learned technique. He had to he had to get down. Uh, him being on campus, I think, is kind of campus. I'm just going to call it that. <laughs> it's okay, buddy. We understand. We get it. Yeah, I'm just going to call it that. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, some of the other ones, Kobe Sellers, uh, big time corner. Uh, out of Shadow Creek, his teammate, linebacker Anthony Williams, he's going to be in the mix. He'll be there. Uh, DeAndre Ridden, you may know him as Tiger Ridden, 2025 tailback out of DeSoto. He'll be at the game. He hit us up earlier today. The list is growing a lot of really nice 2025s, but I'm afraid fans are going to be a little worried who isn't. 
Right now, if you're a Texas fan, understand this about recruiting in the Longhorns. When Texas is winning in the manner that they are, when they're ranked where they are, when they're getting first place votes, when they haven't played the best football game yet, they, they've still yet to play the most complimentary game yet, recruiting will always take care of itself no matter what you have to worry about. When Texas wins, recruiting wins. And so really focus on the big-time foundation of these 2025s that are going to make this, this trip. And it's going to be a great game. They're going to see this atmosphere for the first time. They're, they're going to get addicted to it. it you know, Rod can, can talk more about that, You know what it's actually like to run through the tunnel, what it's actually like to be in that atmosphere, in that environment. And, and as my good buddy Paul Waddlington always referred to it, Texas OU is not a football game. It's a fist fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So, again, this is the Longhorn live stream. Rod, you're a player. You played in this game. You may have been asked this thing uh, 50 times already this week. What's the energy like when you come out of that tunnel at the uh, Cotton Bowl? Uh, man, intense. Uh, it, it, it used to be a lot more intense because we used to be in a tunnel at the same time. Now they've uh, they, they've mm. outlawed that, and for good reason. Right? <laughs> uh, they've disallowed that. That shouldn't be the case because tempers are way too high at the time. Um, but yeah, I love the discussion. Me and Craig Way, I used to do a show with Craig Way, the voice of the Longhorns. And, uh, you know, we nobody really likes calling it the Red River rivalry because that's hard to say really quickly. And if you have a couple of uh, drinks, it's really tough to say. Um, <laughs> Red River Showdown doesn't necessarily imply the vitriol and the angst. Uh, obviously, their shootout is considered politically incorrect. Right, people don't you know they can't support shootouts anymore. I get why that's the case. So, we've started calling the State Fair Street Fight. Because it is a damn street fight. As my man Justin just said, it's a fight. you got to be ready for it. And the only teams fight for Texas that have been kind of blown out in this game, and I was a part of a team that got blown out in this game, uh, they don't understand that, that it is a fight. Uh, you got to be ready for the, uh, the the rules of engagement right, uh, in this game because they're a little bit different. And uh, I've talked to guys like Keith Moreland, Big Red, legendary lifetime Longhorn played you know, two sports on the 40 acres, uh, including uh, playing football. And even he said, he said, man, he, he's been at the plate during the World Series. And he he, he said his <laughs> he's also played in the Texas OU game. And he said, honestly, they're, they're both comparable. All right. He put them in the same category. Dan Neal, who played the Super Bowl, said, hey, man, the, he, that Texas OU game was just as hyped to him as the Super Bowl. These are guys who have done it at the highest levels. And they're telling you, no, that game is special. It's unique. Uh, so you got to be ready for it. That's why I think Texas is in a good place, right? They got a quarterback who's played in this game. Dylan Gabriel has not. Um, there is a. There's only four quarterbacks in the history of the rivalry who have been first-time starters in this game, going up against starters who have played in this game, in the Texas OU game, and won. Uh, it's only happened four times. They've all been on the Oklahoma side. So it doesn't happen very often. Dylan gave you a first-time starter versus Quinn Ewers, the guy who started. And not only started, he actually played an extraordinary game. He had a spectacular performance in this game. I think that puts Texas in a really good position. Hey, William Nish is always a great uh, commentator in our chats. And, uh, Matthew, you have uh, him uh, in the start uh, group over here. And let's put him up here. And so that takes us into what we can expect very early on. So clearly you want to – Hit uh, fast, hit hard, uh, you have a, a nice start there. So William asked, Rod, what will you be looking for in the first 15 minutes of the game? Yeah, it's interesting, man. I, I've been trying to play out this game so many times in my head to try to see exactly what – if Texas win, how, do, how does it look? If Oklahoma pulls the upset, how does it look? 
I was embarrassed in this game. It's a big game. It's a it's a really big game. You're talking about the biggest game of the year on the biggest stage, and you're going up against your most hated rival. And in 2000, we had a no-show performance. No-shows are different than losing. You can lose. There's no shame in that. There's a lot of shame in being a no-show in the biggest game of the year against your most hated rival on the biggest stage. So it haunts you the offseason. You're thinking mm. about it the entire offseason. It's something that you, you know, you kind of take with you. You have to live with it. And that I think Brent Venables and this Oklahoma team have had to live with that shame. I think they're gonna come out, you know, fists, just throwing fists, and they're gonna come out guns ablazing in the first quarter. I think you're gonna see some exotics on offense mm. and on defense, and potentially even on special teams, and see things you haven't seen on film yet. Cause I do believe Oklahoma's in a position because they haven't had a juggernaut early on in the season that they could have saved a couple of things. They could have saved some concepts some schemes, especially for Texas. I think you'll see them throw it out early because, Justin, what they know about Sark is, man, that opening script's going to be a mofo in this game. You got to survive it, all right? Or you got to match his energy because momentum in this game is, is, is palpable. It shifts, and it can be extreme, and it shifts because of the way the, the stadium is split right down the middle. What you can't do is allow an opponent to maintain and hold momentum for too long. All right, because if you do that, then you potentially lose control of the game. When your opponent snatches momentum, you got to snatch it right back. That's the key. And I think that'll that'll be happening in the first quarter between Venables, who's coached in this game a lot, so he knows that, and Sark, who's coached enough now to know, no, 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 I can't allow one uh, that team to have the momentum for too long. If they get it, we got to snatch it right back. And usually, you're going to be aggressive to do that. I expect what's encouraging is I expect up to. Very similar to the Alabama start. I think Rod's right. They're going to this, this play, the first 15 plays scripted are going to be st- a lot, some stuff you haven't seen, some stuff, you, some tendencies that that's the thing with Sark. I, he's really good about not having tendencies, especially when he has a, all of his toys. And so I, I expect up tempo. I expect them to come out very aggressive. Yep. And what's been impressive about Sark in these two games that he's been in. He's not timid. He gets out and gets after it. So nope, the 2021 exactly right. that didn't end the right way, but we what was it 28 the three or something something along those mm-hmm. lines, right? We were we jumped all over him, and then uh, Caleb happened in the second <laughs> exactly. half, right? And then last year was last year. So yeah, Sarkeesian's not a timid guy when it comes to these big games. So he goes after it. So that's that's encouraging. So we should see something there. Hey Matthew, we have a couple of uh, super chats, and we want to. Thank everyone for, for participating in that. Again, if you're not that familiar with uh, YouTube and their processes, and I've been learning here over the last several weeks. Biggest thanks. So there's something called the Super Chat, and so it's, I think there's a little money sign somewhere, so you can uh, or maybe a bag of cash-looking icon. Just click on that, and you're able to contribute, and that will also get your uh, question or comment highlighted, and that way we'll be sure to address it. But uh, look at Michael uh, Cluckhone. He says, uh, you know, he just wants to give us five bucks and uh, says thanks for everything. Hook him. So just Michael's just a nice guy, right? And uh, Loba Bread is very similar. Loba says, not (laughs) UT related, but let's go Justin. Evan Carter, ALDS bound, also 714. And, oh, you still sucks, right? Damn right. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Loba Bread. Evan Carter, the spark plug. Ever since this 21-year-old was called up a month ago, Texas has their their lineup has had a nice little boost of energy. He's one of the best outfield prospects in, in all of baseball, and he's probably going to start in Arlington for the next 12 years. Uh, thank you, Loba Bread. We appreciate that. 
Well, thank you very much. And a Juan, look at look at Juan coming through. And again, you can uh -oh. all uh, uh -oh. do like be like Juan. So just do the super chat, and we'll, we'll get you on here, and I'll be sure to read them and make sure the folks on our podcast can hear what the comment or question is. This is from Juan, and he, he uh, is uh, contributing $19.99 to the cause, so that's very generous. So, Justin, this is for you. So you're saying Kobe Black is visiting A&M this weekend for the Alabama game. Seems just like uh, Bright, it's just Bryce Anderson, right? Bryce Anderson vibes. He had lots of time to see Texas games at home, but chose uh, not to, but now going to A&M. So uh, sounds like Juan's a little bit skeptical of uh, Kobe's future. So, Justin, mm -hmm. I don't know what you can reveal, but uh, I'm happy to be quiet and hear you talk about Kobe Black for a second. Yeah, Kobe and Texas still look fine. It's it's Texas and Texas A&M right now. That's it. They're duking it out. And I think it's at the point where NIL is becoming the biggest is becoming a factor. I think that's where you see A&M push. They've had this this visit scheduled for three months. So I'm not surprised if he does go through with it and make that official visit to A&M this weekend. It's not confirmed uh, as of tonight. It's not confirmed, but I wouldn't be surprised. Um, that's who Texas is battling. Look, they are, they're going to win their fair share. This is what I meant earlier about if they're winning on the field, uh, they're going to, uh, they're going to win. They're going to get, they're going to have elite classes. They've signed back to back top threes in top in, in a top five. So I think that will take care of itself right now. You just have to be patient with Kobe. Kobe, most of the games Kobe's going to attend are in Stillwater. His brother starts at corner Corey Black for Oklahoma state. That tells you, I think Kobe has a good idea of where he wants to go. And I think he's just enjoying the, the rest of the process right now. And so you gotta you just gotta hang on loosely, like 38 special tries to tell us. <laughs> Justin was uh, singing some songs before we went on the air tonight. So this guy's got a, a deep mental jukebox going tonight. Hmm. Hey, Daniel Kinneman has a super chat, and I like I like what he says here. And I want to clarify something at the end. The last word he uses here. So he says, if this game is a fist fight, who does OU have to match Byron Murphy, Kelvin Banks, DJ Campbell? Now he typed in nattiness, but I think he meant nastiness. Now nattiness being natty means you're kind of like a fancy dresser and stuff, right? But I think he means who's nasty. So uh, Rod, who do you think we that uh, does Oklahoma have anybody? I, I think the uh, their lines. Uh, I've heard tell that perhaps. Uh, Sarkeesian is a year ahead of uh, Venables in developing the SEC-ready lines. So I don't know what your opinion is on, on that concept. Uh, are we a little bit further ahead of uh, them on the big uglies up front and on the defense and the offensive lines? Uh, there's no question about it that Texas has an advantage on the lines of scrimmage. I think even for Oklahoma, that should be clear. That's why I'm wondering what schematic um, advantage, what schematic adaptation Brent Venables is going to bring to the table uh, defensively and Jeff Levy offensively, that's going to make up for that deficit because it is clear uh, that Texas, especially when you talk to the Texas defensive line, which is one of the best in the country, especially on the interior, Andre Sweat, pro football focus, has the greatest, the highest graded defensive tackle in the country. And you can make the argument that Byron Murphy is just as good, if not better, if you want to, because he's demanding a double team consistently a lot of the times. Um, and they can get pressure right up the gut right you're talking about right up the middle uh and that's important because quarterbacks want to step up in the pocket Dylan Gabriel's what 5 11 right so you know guys just want to step up in the pocket that's hard to do with Texas 
forces you to kind of either abandon that pocket or try to find room elsewhere. And those guys are big. Even when Alfred Collins can't get there, I mean, these guys can can put their big paws and mitts, long arms in the air and really clog up some of those passing windows. So I think it's going to be tough on Dylan Gabriel. Now, Dylan Gabriel is a really good quarterback. First true test for this Texas uh, team, which Texas defense, and I think they're up to the task, by the way, but first real test from a real good quarterback. This guy's a veteran. He's been in that offense. He knows that offense intimately. I mean, it, I don't know if anybody knows that beer and shoot as well as Dylan Gabriel knows. He's been playing it so long. And one of the things that he's really good at is the deep ball. And they're going to try to throw the deep ball. And sometimes when they throw it deep, they'll go with, you know, a more uh, match protection sets. They'll keep seven guys in to match protect and try to, you know, beat guys one-on-one deep down the field. They'll t- they're going to take their shots against Texas. Dylan Gabriel's completing damn near 60% of those deep passes, 20 yards or more down the field. I think the best defense against that is probably going to be that pass rush. It's going to be Byron Murphy. It's going to be Tavondre Sweat and those guys up front. And on the offensive side, I think Texas could line up and play bully ball against Oklahoma if they wanted to. I think Sark's way too much of a showman for that, though. Uh, Sark wants to be in his bag. He he'll 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 close that game out with J- with Jay Brooks like he did in the Bama game, and that offensive line, the run game, like he did in the Bama game, like he did in the uh, the Wyoming game, the Baylor game. But he's gonna start off by showing out the creativity in the bag on a big stage like that, where mm-hmm. he's hosting recruits in a national stage. <laughs> Quinn, you are still in the Heisman conversation. And like JT said, all them weapons, like Justin, Justin said, now, nah, man, he's going he gonna to get in his bag early. So I, I think he'll close out with the run, but I think he may start out uh, early on trying to keep uh, Oklahoma on their toe, Oklahoma on their heels by throwing it and making sure that he's ahead of the chains constantly. And Ray, also understanding yes. OU to match nastiness, I'd go with General Booty. <laughs> Just saying. He's, he's got the NIL deals already. What is he, third or fourth string? But he's got an NIL deal because his name's Booty. He hey, is a really good man. dude. He played quarterback at Tyler Junior College a couple of years ago. You know, oh, had yeah? a tremendous year. He is a really good guy. Yeah. Well, that's good to know. So let's name. just hope he goes home with a frown on his face. And Daniel Kinneman, thank you so much. Daniel's another one of our uh, longtime uh, folks who uh, get involved in the chats. And he's been a really great participant for uh, a number of months and so i really appreciate uh, daniel and the, and the folks and so is dax kelm dax is a, a frequent uh a name that we see on the boards as well Love and dax. uh dax just simply says thank you for feeding my horns addiction and see you in dallas and so uh dax we really appreciate the kindness there also uh warden i hope warren's not coming after us with a pair of handcuffs and throwing us in the hokey but, uh, hey, Justin, I guess at some point, I didn't hear this, but you've got a line called quintessential. It sounds like Warren's been stealing your line. So, Justin, been using your quintessential line all week. Hook him. He gave you 10 bucks. So, he, it's like you're a professional writer, and he uh, gave you your due. So hey, to tell the warden he just bought the rights back. <laughs> there you go. Explain Nathan the quintessential Martin. to me. I want to I wanna know what the pun is. Explain it to me. Break it down. I just want the royalty. No, you know, quintessential. I, I say yeah, that word a lot. I say that yeah. word a lot. A lot of times when Joe and I do a show, and it just goes along with obviously Quinn. It, okay. just, it was wordplay. It was me like being <laughs> Tracy Morgan on Thirty Rock. It's just wordplay. But hey, for nice. ten bucks, the warden just bought the rights. Now <laughs> I want five percent yeah. royalty and three percent on the back end, but everything else he could get. 
So when you hear it on a broadcast somewhere, you're gonna be like, "That's me, that's me." Oh man, <laughs> stuff gets ripped off all the time. <laughs> yeah, it does. I know it does. Man, it's a copycat world. <laughs> hey, you, hey man, that's a compliment, sure brother. Hey, man, especially in your business, Justin, people have uh, stolen your work plenty, I'm sure, over the years. So uh, that must really happen in your world. Uh, look at Nathan McNamee contributing here. And so uh, is that Canadian? 279? What's CA mean? I don't know what CA means. Uh, that should be Justin, like three and a half American dollars. I don't know. I don't know what the exchange rate is. I might be completely misreading that anyway. So, But, Justin, what's your opinion on uh, the entree? Uh, that's the... Fell off, uh, was he in Florida? Yes, sir. Uh, good, good, good job, Mr. Peters. That's that's it. Yeah, right. I, I pay attention. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What, what what do you got on him? I know that uh, he's a couple been, weeks uh, ago, he he's he's a Tampa uh, Tampa kid. A uh, couple Texas commit since the summer. A couple weeks ago, he hit one of the games in in Florida and was and forgot to tell somebody. Didn't tell any of the coaches, whereas Jarrett Gibson, the Texas commit out of the IMG Academy, he made sure and let, you know, the staff know that he was taking visits. It's really Sark doesn't mind if the commits take trips. Actually, I think they're almost encouraged. Um, and there's a couple kids that are that are silent commits that are taking those visits just because Sark told them, look, I don't they don't mind how you announce it just as long as you sign in December. And so uh, with the entree, he's had to he's had to to. Um, make amends, so to speak. And, and a lot of that has been promoting Texas on social media and, and, and stuff like that. I think DeAndre learned a little lesson, just be upfront with the, with, with the staff, where you're going, especially for a guy that's a really underrated defensive lineman. And they're going into the SEC with a need at D-line. You see what they do these days. You've seen how dominant that D-line has been this year. I think it's even allowed PK to hold stuff back simply because of what they've been able to create with a, a three-man and a four-man rush. So DeAndre is important in this class with Alex January and Duncanville and, and Melvin Hills out of LCA, Lafayette Christian Academy in, in Louisiana. DeAndre is a big deal, but this is a big world. And in, in Florida and Florida State and Miami, they, they're going to keep coming after him until he signs. And so it's something we're monitoring, but I wouldn't call it a situation. It's not like Jersey Shore. I wouldn't I wouldn't make that sort of it's not it doesn't need that stigma just yet. Now, if he starts showing up at different games more and more without talking, then we have something to discuss. Sure. Hey, we have a young man named Heath. I don't care how old he is, but I'm calling him young. He gave us a super chat and we do have the associated question. I kind of agree with Heath a little bit here. Uh, where some might be a little bit strong word, but maybe maybe he's OK. Maybe he's got the right terminology there it says guys the kicking game he puts field goals in parentheses is worrisome bird auburn is i guess who he's talking about but more than that he's uh, concerned about ewer's deep ball the satellite ball is pretty but why can't he get leading the receiver across the field a bit so uh rod let's talk about bird auburn and uh some accuracy issues that he's had the last couple of weeks and then i know that it's been uh Hammered plenty, but uh, let's talk about Quinn and the deep ball. And he kind of liked those moon shots that he had against Alabama, but he's a little bit concerned that uh, some of these other things coming across like a deep post or something maybe aren't hitting the mark. What do you think? Uh, yeah, that's I mean, we've talked about obviously these struggles with Texas and deep ball at nauseum. They hit him, you hit him when you needed him in the Alabama game. He dialed him up. I do think certain parts of the field for Quinn 
um, or easier to target with the deep ball than others. Um, I think he's, he, I think those post routes like down the middle, um, I think he actually is pretty accurate on some of those down the middle deep throws. Uh, I think he's, you know, the sideline deep throws. I think he's less accurate on some of those. Um, you saw the, with the John Tate cook, he went empty formation. They put him at number three. Yeah. Uh, then he runs that, you know, right there, that, that deep kind of basically an inside fade. It's a, uh, it's a weird yeah. route. Yeah. It is a weird route. Cause I think he's got, I think it's like a backward sluggo. Yeah. Depending on how the defense plays him. I think he's got some leverage. He's got, pretty much some some leeway on how he can run yes. it too. Yes. Um but it's a, it's it's but the, the beautiful it was the beautiful thing about it was the pass from Quinn. It was right on the money. Uh but I will say this about Sark and I was talking to Jerry Hamilton about this and Jerry made a really good point. I'll give him credit. Uh, because I was saying I was talking about the deep have you noticed these deep curl routes they're throwing? These deep uh deep out routes back. they're throwing yeah they're 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 like 18, 19, 10, 20 yards. These are NFL Style <laughs> comebacks. You don't see these types of routes in college because most quarterbacks they're not throwing those types of routes, man. That's crazy. Um, but Quinn is really good at throwing those routes. So instead of I think Sark has thrown less deep balls because I at this point I think he is being he's been humbled by the fact that this is not a strength for Quinn. It's, it's not saying he's bad at it, but it's definitely not one of his strengths. He's got a lot of strengths, and that may be not one of them. Um, but what he does with these deep um, in a deep stop routes, and Sark didn't even really like stop routes. Remember, he's a run the daylight guy. He said initially he doesn't like stop routes, he likes movement routes, routes that get the wide receivers the ball on the move so they can be yak daddies and be yards after the catch. Boom, and that's how his offense works. But he's actually evolved as a play caller, and he now is throwing some of those deep stop routes, deep outcuts. And I think the reason that he's throwing them is because he's keeping the top on the defense. When he can't take the top off the defense, which is the deep route, I'll keep the top on. Now, it, it essentially accomplishes the same thing, serves the same purpose, but except it does, it's not as pretty and not as explosive because Sark wants to take the top. He wants to blow the top off the damn defense um, with explosive plays. But he can't really now it consistently. So I love what he's doing. He's just kind of keeping the top on the defense. You still got to keep your safeties deep when you got Xavier Worthy and A.D. Mitchell running 2018 to 20 yard, you know, stop routes down the field. So I think it's really interesting the way he's evolving the offense uh, with the deep ball. Also, kicking game, I think it's actually a little bit connected. They're struggling in the red zone a little bit, period. A lot of their explosive plays, they're scoring without even getting to the red zone. So it's not that big of an issue. The Texas, I think, is 108 in touchdown percentage in the red zone. And Burt Arvin is struggling with field goals near the red zone, high red zone, whatever Sark calls it. So if a team is going to play bend but don't break against Texas and they do it effectively like tech, like Kansas did for a little while, yeah. that may be a concern if Texas can't cash in in the red zone. And the reason I think it is just is because essentially in the red zone as a defense, a defender, I'm comforted. I ain't got to worry about Xavier Worthy running behind me. You got I, an extra boundary. You got another I, defender. I got a whole, I got like three or four of them back there. So, yep. Yeah, so that's why, and I think Sark and the offense are struggling with that just a little bit. But they got weapons, and it's not like they won't figure it out. They got too many weapons not to figure it out. So our uh, com- the how to combat the red zone issues are to just have Quinn run thirty yard touchdowns or Brooks <laughs> run fifty four yard <laughs> touchdown runs, right? So it's hey, just Quint- score from outside the score from outside the red zone, right? <laughs> so uh, this is Australian five bucks. And uh, hey, hey, Justin, listen to me. I know how to pronounce this town, Brisbane. Huh? I'm nice, classy. Hey, 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 mate. Ten twenty nine a.m. in Brisbane, Australia, and OU still sucks. Hook them. So, hey, JJ, right. thank you so much for the uh, super chat right there. 
Again, you guys can all participate in the Super Chats, just like UT Boy does all UT the time. Boy. Oh, UT Boy ready. is a, a fixture on these boards, and uh, he's, he's become ready. family. In fact, UT Boy's ready. comment, and he's got a, a generous contribution of $20, is family or life. Hey, I don't watch those uh, the Fast and the Furious movies. What does uh, Vin Diesel talk about? Family, right? <laughs> Something like that, right? So UT Dude, Boy's kind of like... I just watched the last one, actually. Now you brought yeah, it up. I he, watched it last week. Nice. UT Boy to me is wow. our Vin Diesel. <laughs> UT Boy is our Vin Diesel, right? So there you go. Hey, uh, okay. Justin, I heard you like uh, coffee. This is for your Starbucks fund. So Daniel Kenneman again. So Daniel's well, he's breaking out the uh, virtual wallet Man. tonight. Thank you, sir. We appreciate that. And Justin does especially because this goes to a Starbucks fund. Uh, back to you. What's the allure of uh, A&M and recruiting pretty much in eight and four team every year, but always seeming to have a top three class? Are you going to be are you going to give us the honest, unvarnished answer here, J.W.? Or are you going to give us the the nice uh, kind of tempered down version? What are you what are you going to give us here? Well, now <laughs> that you put me on the spot, um, First and foremost, uh, they don't always seem to have a top three class. They have one this year that's not signed yet. And then they had one a couple of years ago. They had the number one class, probably the greatest recruiting class NIL could have ever imagined. Uh, and, and some of that's paid dividends. But in the next season, they had, what, 30, 35 people leave. <laughs> um, listen, Jimbo Fisher can recruit. I hate to break the news. I don't think that's breaking anybody. I, I think that's kind of well known. Jimbo Fisher can recruit. Uh, and he knows the type of player to go after. He knows the type of personality to push, and he knows the type of personality to play the long game with. It's about relationships. It's about understanding your audience. Jimbo Fisher is very good at that. Now, he's not as good as the on-the-field stuff. Jameis Winston covered up a lot of sins. He's not as good as that on the field, and that's why you're seeing an 8-14, and 14, a 7-5 and five team of, of that sort. But from a recruiting standpoint – Jimbo Fisher is, is good about learning personalities. He's good about learning what buttons to push. I think that's why he's had some success with some of these guys, especially the defensive line where they, they put such a heavy focus. And, and Terry Price, that was, you know, God rest his soul, one of the nicest, coolest coaches I've ever met. Unbelievable man, unbelievable coach. He left the dynasty of D linemen in the 2010s. Like Miles Garrett's, climbing to the Hall of Fame right now in Cleveland because of that. Mm -hmm. And I think that has a little carryover still. I think there's still some of that aroma in the in the recruiting department and in the, in the defensive room. And so you have to give A&M credit because Jimbo's good at what he's good at. And since that he has a contract where he never has to worry about anything he ever does or any moves he makes, he's kind of a free will guy. He can kind of be a little cut loose. And AM is very involved in, in NIL. This is something that's the reason they had a number one class a couple years ago. And if they finish with a top three this year, it's going to be probably one of the other biggest reasons as well. There's a there's a lot of it going around. Texas has a lot to offer when it comes to NIL, but so do a lot of other big schools. You're going to win some, you're going to lose some, just like in a basic recruitment. Hey, Justin, can I ask you another question, kind of a follow-up there? Because uh, the I, I was almost an Aggie myself. I loved me some R.C. Slocum, who's one of my favorite coaches all time. Still love me some R.C. He's the reason I stayed in the state because uh, he was like, hey, man, you want your mom and dad to go to games. You need to stay in the state so mom and dad can go to games. 
that was it. Texas, Texas A&M from that point on. Uh, but then Mac Brown sat on my mama's couch, drank her sweet tea, and the rest is history. <laughs> but the co- the cultures of the programs and the schools and the communities are very different. How, does that play a role sometimes with guys just like, man, I just feel more at home in this community here in Austin or that community there in College Station? Right. 100 percent. That's why you see more kids from East Texas go to A&M over over Austin. Austin is for the city kids. Austin's mm-hmm. for the Dallas kids that, that grew up in South Oak Cliff or the, the Houston kids that, that grew up in, in Yates and, and, and uh, Eisenhower and Aldine and those spots. They're used to the city and they're, they know how to get the most out of Austin. Whereas your smaller towns, more rural, they're going to go towards College Station because it's more of a smaller town. There's, there, yeah. You don't have high risers. You don't have crazy traffic jams. You don't have the best live music on the planet. It's You're not really a – you're not the de facto professional team. You're just kind of in that – still in that small town. I think that's why East Texas has always been so relatable to a lot of those kids and why A&M has had so much success starting, you know, in the 70s and 80s with that. Yeah. And so you're right. It takes a certain personality. Uh, a good buddy of mine who used to be a pitcher for, for Texas, he's now uh, – he does some some recruiting stuff on the side. He told me one time when he was recruiting for UT, he was, he was on the baseball staff, he'd say, you know, you can make Austin whatever you want it. If you want to be a big city guy, you can yeah. – do that. If you want to isolate yourself and, and stay within small groups and small cliques and small areas, it offers that as well. And I think that's the recruiting pitch Sark and those guys have. But it all comes down to the relationship and it all comes down to the preference of the kid. And yeah. if a kid's from a smaller town, sometimes I'll give you a great example. Example: Harris Sewell, Odessa Permian last year, one of the top offensive linemen in the nation, uh, was down to te- Texas, Clemson, a handful of other schools. He picked Clemson because Texas was a sit more of a city and he was used to of a smaller town being in Odessa. He was used to kind of a smaller town thing. And, and Clemson, South Carolina, offered that to him. He loved Kyle Floyd. He loved the opportunity to potentially block for Quinn Ewers and Arch Manning. Texas was in the mix, but he didn't want to live in the city because and it, it had nothing to do with UT. It just had to be Austin. And so to your point, that's a lot of recruitment. Some kids. Why are they leaning A&M like a Terry Bussey from Timpson, the number two athlete in the country, commits to A&M last week? Why is that happening? He's a small-town kid, and he relates more. It's not that the college experience isn't overwhelming to him, whereas the city kids, they get to Austin, and it's yeah. just like home in a sense, <laughs> except they're big man on campus within about 100 square miles. That's what's up. That, that's great breakdown. Love it. Absolutely. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. 
Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Almost 745. You're watching the Longhorn live stream. If you're watching us live on Wednesday night, some of you may be watching this uh, later on YouTube, and we're very grateful for that as well. My name is Ray Peters. I'm alongside Justin Wells and Rod Babers. And so we're talking about uh, recruiting uh, various uh, communities, Austin versus uh, Bryan College Station for recruits. <laughs> Of course, a lot of uh, Oklahoma Sooners and some other things like the Spanish broadcast of the Kansas game. So, Matthew, thank you for putting up Trey Day's super chat. So this isn't really a question, but a comment on what uh, Trey Day's observation was. And this is pretty sweet. So he asked, uh, did y'all see the Spanish broadcast of the Kansas game? He says they called Quinn La Jolla, the jewel. He says that's a keeper <laughs> of the So, No, is that Dr. Ruben Pizarro? Is that what it is, right? It does a Spanish broadcast. I think it's Dr. Perhaps, maybe they'll put it in the, the questions. I believe there, it is, if I'm not mistaken, Trey Day. Because he comes up okay. with nicknames for all the guys during the broadcast. I'm talking about for, for years he's been doing it. Even when I was on the sideline, he was doing it. And I'm not mistaken, I believe it's him that, that comes up with the nicknames. And he has a record of them, if I'm not mistaken, too. If I'm not, I believe he, he, he has a record of them. And maybe we can get him on and have him talk That'd about all the all the nicknames he's given to the guys. They're great nicknames too, man. They're fantastic. They really are. And his calls are amazing as well. No, no question. Do you remember no. your nickname? Did you, did you get a, a nickname? I don't know. You know what? That's why I'm actually looking up it now. Cause I, I think, you know what? I don't remember. I don't know if he was doing it when I was there. That was a long time ago. Um, but I, I know he's given all the guys nicknames probably for at least the last 10 years. No, I know all the big, all the, obviously all the impact players, not everybody impact players. <laughs> You got to earn that nickname. My point is, there you go. I'm only saying this because you're the one who brought it up. So you claim, and I don't have any recollection of this, but you claim that you don't have the world's greatest hands. So what did the Roberto Duran, his hands of stone? What did? What were those? uh, (laughs) That would be perfect, right? I had hands like feet, man. So I don't know something like that. Something about feet hands. Hey. uh, Please uh, like and subscribe as well. So we're approaching, I think we're maybe about 1,000 subscribers away from 25,000, which is pretty incredible. So wow, yeah, we've gained uh, several thousand even just in the last month and a half or so since I started uh, helping out with the channel. So let's get a few more added on to that tonight, if you don't mind. If you're watching us and you don't have this uh, on Texas football channel uh, subscribed, please do that. It doesn't, it's not much effort at all. You just click on the subscribe button. So do that and help out the Bobby and the crew. And, uh, yeah, get those super chats in just like Colin Davis. Hey, guys, look at look at Mr. Davis here. That's pretty amazing, right? Beautiful. So uh, that's incredibly generous. We thank you, Colin, so much for that. And so, Colin, he has this comment. He's uh, saying, you know, he's talking about Texas OU. Like Bobby Burton has said, throw out the ranking stats, records, throw them out the window for this game. Feels like it's close most of the time. So, do you have any insight as to why that is? And then he suggests that we use the uh, celebrate uh, the donation for some celebration, uh, celebratory <laughs> drinks after the game. So there you go, Colin. Thank you so much for that super chat, and we uh, encourage you all to uh, help out the channel as well. We really appreciate it. Again, like and subscribe. So, um, Rod, um, I know sometimes we've had lopsided ones. You said you were part of yeah. one. Uh, 6314 hops out at me as one of the numbers that uh, mm-hmm. I've tried to wipe out of my memory, but I clearly haven't been able to do. Oklahoma's Watch got a 49-zip uh, one on their ledger now. 
but other than that, they can tend to be fairly close, and even some teams that aren't expected to win do so. Why do we get that during these rivalry weeks? Um, I think, you know, part of it is, you know, there's so much anticipation on both sides because they know the magnitude of the game and what it means. If there's preparation done outside of the week, the in-week preparation, right? So Sark's been prepping for Oklahoma. Did, I guarantee in offseason, offseason was probably, you know, he, he was doing a lot of work with conference play too, but mostly Bauman, mostly Oklahoma. Because <laughs> he knows that's those are the two. When right? Rod's preaching, that's my chair. Yeah. So, <laughs> by the way, Brent Venables, who was embarrassed in this game last year, <laughs> I, I guarantee you guys, this is his Alabama. Right. Yes. So he's been he been prepping all offseason for this one. Him and Jeff Levy even talked about how he, you know, they can't be blanked again. They can't be, they can't come up with a goose egg in this in this matchup again. As a matter of fact, they gotta score some points just so their fan base won't be livid and won't be turning on them with all the blowback after this matchup. I think they're gonna lose, but it's all about they can't get they can't get blown out again. Back to back blowouts will definitely have you on the hot seat, no matter who you are on coach on either side in this matchup. So I think the preparation, there's a ton of preparation on both sides, all right? Um, also, you know, experience matters in this game. It's a, one of those games, I, just, I, got, I, got, I got into the quarterback stat not too long ago, that first-time starters versus starters who have experience in this Texas OU game. I'm talking about first-time starters in the Texas OU matchup. Only four of them have won in that situation, going up against an experienced Texas OU starter. Because the, the experienced Texas OU starter knows how to handle his emotions. The emotional charge of this matchup in that neutral site, Texas State Fair, fans split down the middle. I cannot tell you guys. It's it's really hard to for me to even quantify or describe. <laughs> All right. And I think young guys have a hard time trying to handle that emotional energy they're dealing with. And it can overwhelm you at times. It means you can you want to play with emotion, not play emotional. And in this game, some guys, young guys, have a tendency to play emotional. And that's why I think younger teams are the ones that get blown out sometimes mm -hmm. in this game. They're the younger. When Texas has gotten blown out, it's been the younger Texas teams. When the veteran Texas team comes along that's been there and done that, then they walk out there and they let them hang, right? That's that's when you have your better Texas teams because they're veterans. They've been there and they know the rules of engagement. This is a veteran team. They've been there mm -hmm. and they've done that already. That's why I got a lot of I got a lot of faith in this group because they already know the emotional charge of this environment. But the reason it's close, I mean, it's a rivalry. That's how rivalries are. Uh, you got teams playing their heart out. And, I, you know, in football, it's not always about the sum of its parts. Sometimes the intangibles, the immeasurables in this game, the, the team that plays as a team doesn't hurt themselves. Mistakes are big. Turnovers are big. Everything is amplified in this matchup. We have a couple of super chats here that we can uh, toss at you. So let's go to Elijah Perez first and uh, tell you what. Matthew, we're going to, after we read Elijah's, then we'll go ahead and go right through Roberts as well because they're linked. So which freshman do you all, you think has the best chance to make a legendary moment this weekend? And I think Elijah's already putting in a vote for number zero. Anthony Hill, blindside strip sack fumble for a touchdown is his kind of hope, wish, projection. And then Robert Muhammad has a super chat as well that's quite similar. Is this a possible three or more sack game for texas so you're looking at the uh, freshman anthony hill what do you think his impact might be and do you think that we could come up with uh three quarterback put downs on uh young mr gabriel back there 
I'll take I'll take the freshman and give me give me a dose of Malik Muhammad, the true freshman out of Dallas South Oak Cliff, helped South Oak Cliff win the state championship. Uh, back-to-back years, uh, yeah. tremendous kid has logged a lot of minutes, a lot of reps. People, you know, there were some people upset with uh, the, the, how much the rotations he was going, Sark was going through early on, but he's doing this because in the college football playoff era, you're looking at a 14-15 game season potentially. And so at the end of the day, you've got to make sure you've got depth and you've got guys that can get out there that you can trust. Give me some Malik Muhammad. That's a guy that it's he's he's learning and he's learning fast and he's got some Jade Baron reaction to him mm. and uh, I, I I'm a big fan there and and for the three sack question I we'll we'll pivot that to Rod because I just feel like Texas is as aggressive as Sark is on offense early on in some of these games it feels like PK might be even more aggressive and and doing it in very fundamental basic ways not having to show a whole lot. Yeah, I think he is actually blitzing more. I haven't compared the numbers from last year, but just eye test alone, I think he is being more aggressive. I think it's because the personnel. I think he trusts the personnel more. And that goes to what you said about he may be holding something back because he's got some exotics that he trusts because he trusts these players to be able to run it. Uh, yeah. Even if they haven't shown it on film this year, he yes. trusts and hey, we can run it in practice. I got veteran players. They show it in the game. They'll be ready to go. Uh, to your point about Malik Muhammad, I've been saying it all week because, Justin, you hit the nail on the head, man. Um, I, I I think he, he's a better cover man it's just straight up than Ryan Watts. I'm not – it's nothing against Ryan Watts, but he's a natural cover guy. I mean, he plays sticky, icky, icky coverage. Yeah. And he's he's better actually at the line of scrimmage and press technique than Ryan Watts. I know that's hard for people to understand, but Ryan Watts is longer. That's, a, that's bold, Rod. No, he, <laughs> I'm, I'm saying I've watched him. I'm telling you, go watch his technique at the line of scrimmage, man. He's patient. He's got great feet. He 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 really and his hips are. I mean, he never really gets out. His hips are never out of place. And what I mean by that is sometimes guys will lock their hips, and Ron Watts does it sometimes too. You what hand you punch with and press, you go lock that hip. You got to understand. My, so if you if you do if you do punch that hand, you got to take it right back, or you lock that hip. You lock that hip, and then that Robert he becomes that swim move. Then he's already right. even with you and ready to pass you. Um, man, he's naturally either punches, and if he if he's if he's gonna ready to lock that hip, he'll take it right back and open that hip up, or he'll punch with the opposite hand and then naturally open his hips up. These are some some guys don't even understand that naturally, but he gets it just watching them. And I think he's a he's a better well, I don't think he is a better ball hawk than Ryan Watts. So I'm not saying he should be playing over Ryan Watts. I'm not right. saying that at all. I'm just saying there's not much of a drop-off with him out there because of the injury Ryan Watts is dealing with day to day. They're going to test those young guys in the secondary though, and they should. And I'll throw Derek Williams out there too. I mean, he's, he's built a little different as well. Last two weeks, he has logged as many snaps as the starters. Wow. Tell you, man. Derek, two weeks ago, Derek Williams out snapped all the safeties. So good call, Rod. Yeah. The Raptor, like that yeah, area, it's his Jurassic Park. <laughs> Hey, and Muhammad, back to Muhammad. I mean, he's gotten so much game time this season. That guy's not five snaps last Saturday. Remember that the the end of the Baylor game, almost the entire fourth quarter, they were just throwing on number five, and he kept turning. He was just knocking them down. Right? Go watch. Yeah, the whole fourth quarter of Baylor was basically Baylor offense versus Manny Muhammad. He's and he held up. They thought we'll go after the youngest guy, but what they didn't understand was. 
he's the most talented corner in the program. I'm not saying he's the best corner. Terrence Brooks is the best corner. Yeah. To me, Manny Muhammad is the most talented. The Joker is six foot and a half, and he looks like he's six two. That's a great way to put it, Justin. I love that. You guys have made this observation before. Jerry Hamilton makes it daily. The young guys getting the playing time, they're rotating in, they're just getting in, they're working in, they're getting experience, which will serve them well down the down the road. It's also sending a message to the recruits watching. Texas plays young guys early if they've earned it. Mm-hmm. So that yeah. is one of the best selling points that Sark and his staff can make to these guys. And, and right, for people that worry, well, why isn't Kobe at the game? Why isn't Ryan Wingo? Understand, everyone's going to watch this game. Even when those guys aren't there, they're watching the game. Texas and Alabama, Ryan Wingo and his family watched that entire game. Kobe mm-hmm. Black and his family watched that entire game. They don't have to be there. If Texas does what they're supposed to and goes into, into the Cotton Bowl and takes care of business Saturday by about 2, 2.30, trust me, there will be plenty of recruiting information, most of it at InsideTexas.com, I mind you, but there's going to be <laughs> plenty of recruiting momentum because you're going to see Texas knock off a top 12 team in a big-time arena, in a big-time environment, and it, 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 it just resonates. When they win, recruiting takes care of itself. Right. Nothing, you know, Mac Brown to this day is, is probably the best recruiter head coach I've ever seen, recruiter slash head coach I've ever seen. He knew yeah. exactly how to do it. Rod could, could yeah, yeah. tell you story after story. And his former players are devout to Coach Brown. Like it is a it is a testament. Mm-hmm. And I think the recruiting took care of itself after he started winning. But he still always had that personality. Sark is trying to get to that winning point because he's got the recruiting. He's mm-hmm. trying to get to that winning point. You go into, wow. into the in state fair on Saturday and do the same thing you did to say Alabama when you went to Tuscaloosa week two. Don't worry about who's not there because everybody is still watching. Paying mm-hmm. attention. Hey, uh, Matthew, uh, we've been working together not that long, but, man, you read my mind. I wanted to bring up this. I was about to ask you to bring up Ancient Drummer's comment here. So the formula for successfully containing Gabriel, and Rod, I think you were a little generous when you said he was about 5'11". I don't know that Dylan's even that tall. <laughs> I, hey, I saw him at the Big 12 Media Days. He's probably 5'10", 5'11". In that neighborhood. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I haven't really – Watched. I saw the Cincinnati game. Um, I know last year, it seemed to be when he's he, when he misses, he used to miss high. So I don't know if that's still something. He's got a pretty strong arm, but he would tend yes. to, to go a little high with his uh, passes. If you can, uh, like any quarterback, you want to disrupt him. You want to get in his face. You want to do something to make him uncomfortable. So uh, ancient drummer asked, "What is the formula for successfully containing Gabriel? What how, what, how do we uh, corral Dylan Gabriel?" Yeah, I think they, I think PK early on, because I'm not real fearful, and I don't know if PK will be of the Oklahoma running game. They're averaging less than four yards per carry. It's not a formidable run game. They want you to play with a light box anyway. That's the veer and shoot. They're going to play with really widespread, uh, wide splits for the uh, wide receivers, try to get you to get, get certain defenders out of the box. Uh, but if Texas plays a light box, I'm not worried about that because that light box will contain Jalen Ford to Andre Sweat. Byron Murphy's one of the best defenders in the country. Defender uh, Dylan Gabriel, though, it, it to me comes down to how much organic pressure can they get early on. If Texas can get organic pressure, maybe yes. they can they can collapse that pocket without having to blitz and bring a lot of guys. It's going to be a long day for Dylan Gabriel. 
if Texas has to bring pressure with, you know, extra defenders, meaning they have to blitz, meaning bring five or more, then maybe Dylan Gabriel can make some plays, but he's got to make his mind up quick because he brings pressure. And those guys have been getting home because you already know Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy, those guys demand double teams inside. When guys are coming off the edge, a lot of times the quarterback's responsible for some of those extra defenders coming. Um, and as long as you can get them, you know, uh, there quick enough and surprise the quarterback, I think Dylan Gabriel will be discombobulated because he hadn't seen pressure like Texas is going to bring pressure, whether that's organic pressure or whether that's the blitz. As Justin mentioned, PK's been a little bit more aggressive this year. I think he's going to be even more aggressive in this game. Sark has been saying that. We want to be aggressive. Offensively, we want to be the aggressor. We want to set the tone. We want to dictate the tempo. I don't think they're going to wait on Dylan Gabriel to hit, 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 hit on deep balls to make adjustments. I think they're going to try to hit him before he hits them. Some commenters say he'll be five foot eight when the game is over. So. Hey, you know what? With, with Texas luck right now, I hope I don't even know if Dylan Gabriel's going to play. You play yeah, right? three it's backup a streak, quarterbacks right? in a row. Hell, he might have come up with the bu- bubble guts before the game or something because he ate a corn dog. Like, I have no idea how that happens for Texas. But if, if something happens to Dylan Gabriel, man, they should put him in a room right now and, you know, make sure they guard him. <laughs> he might eat one of those Jerry Hamilton uh, mayonnaise corn dogs. Right? I don't know if you guys heard that, but uh, <laughs> Jerry no, loves mayonnaise you. on his. That's, nah, that's, that's your disgusting. Man. On the that's your buddy Jerry Hamilton. Oh. Jerry Hamilton down. eats the pig feet at the Easy Mart. I ain't, I ain't <laughs> about that. Hey, uh, Matthew, can we put up the um, the on Texas football code? I, I like throwing curveballs at this kid and see and watch him get it out of the park. Look at this. How good is Matthew Hutchison? So inside Texas, that's where Justin Wells works and gets his bread buttered over there and does a great job alongside with the aforementioned Jerry Hamilton and Bobby Burton and Eric Nalene and Ian Boyd, Paul Wadlington, Joe Cook. I think I got most of them. Uh, so they've got a deal now. And so this is actually a deal you won't see anywhere else because this is a deal associated with this on Texas football channel. They want to kind of get an idea of who watches the YouTube channel and then goes over there and signs up. And it's kind of a nice way to track activity. And so this is a special one. You may see other places that offer one month for a buck, but this one's giving you two months for $1. Now, you must select that monthly offer, but just type in the code OTFIT23, OTFIT23, and you'll get that uh, two-month subscription for just a dollar. And read uh, what Justin Wells has to say about recruiting and some uh, other insights that he's gleaned from uh, practices and uh, other things that happen with the University of Texas football program. It's a great year. We're 5-0. and We're number three in the country. Red River rivalry, shootout, street fight, whatever Rod just called it earlier tonight. <laughs> Big one coming up here. And that red shirt that Mr. Wells is wearing is a Texas Rangers T-shirt. So don't get uh, get upset out there, fandom. He's a Rangers This isn't Crimson. This is Ranger Red. There you go. He's very happy that his uh, Rangers have advanced on into the uh, – American League playoffs today. Tampa Bay didn't put up put up much of a fight at all this week, did they? That was pretty. That wasn't the same Tampa Bay team that played really well most of the year. That yeah, infield was almost completely different. Wander Franco's not playing. They lost two of their major starters. Tampa Bay is actually a really good team, but this wasn't their best team. This, it, the Rangers should have won this series, right? Hey, Colton wins tonight with this ten dollar super chat. Yes, hey, we sir. still have – I bet we got about 10 minutes left in the show, Great stuff question. along those lines. Uh, so get your Super Chats in, and we'll be happy to uh, 
to get them on there. And uh, we do appreciate uh, the folks who are chatting uh, on the side of the uh, the box in the YouTube channel. We always appreciate this kind of, as I keep saying each week, kind of an organic thing that goes on. Uh, you, you watch the and listen to the conversation that we're having over here and uh, listening to uh, Rod and Justin's insights. But people are also uh, throwing out some concepts and answering questions for everybody. So it's a nice little vibrant community we have going on here. But Colton with a super chat. The comment is a question. Will Texas be able to contain the OU run while playing cover two to limit explosive plays deep? If so, game over for the Oklahoma offense. Rod, I hear you nodding. Yeah. And uh, well, it's I hear you question. saying, yeah, and see you yeah. nodding. So what's yeah. your opinion on this? It, this is a great question because uh, think about last week, right? Uh, Kansas uh, opens up running the triple option plays and Texas is a little bit vulnerable to it. They haven't seen it all year. And, Kansas pops a couple, ends up scoring on one with a lucky bounce after Jalen Catlin forced a fumble. And part of the adjustment for PK in the second half was playing a lot more single height safeties. They were playing basically splitting, you know, splitting the, the snaps between two high safeties, uh, which is what they're talking about there, which is kind of your, your two shell looks. Um, you play cover four out of that. You play cover two out of that. You can play two man out of it too, um, or cover one. They were playing both a lot in the second, in the first half. In the second half, they went predominantly to, to single high safety looks. They were putting an extra defender in the box and bringing that guy down uh, into the into the line of scrimmage or closer to the line of scrimmage to defend the run. That was part of the reason they just added more numbers to the rush defense to stop that triple option to Kansas. Essentially, that's kind of what Colton's talking about here. If you are fearful of Oklahoma's running game, Oklahoma, like I said, they're going to force you to play with a light box because of the really wide splits of the wide receivers. You'll see them with the beard and shoot. That's classic. And they'll, yeah, they'll yeah. stress you horizontally with formationally. Uh, and they want to stress you deep. That's why they throw a lot of deep vertical shots. And I believe right now you go look at um, the numbers for Dylan Gabriel. And he's 13 of 22 on passes 20 yards or more down the field. That's really good, guys. That's one of the best accuracy numbers in the country on deep balls. So what that means is they successfully have formationally can stress teams horizontally and they can stress you vertically. And that's how they keep defenders out of the box and force you to play with the light box. While I'm confident Texas can play with a light box and still contain the run, they're averaging less than four yards per carry per run. So they're not necessarily a dominant running game. You got Devondre Sweat. You got Byron Murphy. You got Jalen Ford, Alfred Collins, Vernon Bryant. Your D-line's playing at a really high level right now. That's where some of your best, that's where your best defenders are. So you're gonna, you can play with a light box, but the, it's one of the best light boxes in the country. That you have to play with. And that's why I would use a guy like Jalen Catalan. Think about Jalen Catalan's skill set and what you've seen from him. Just recall it right now. How many times have you seen him come from 12 yards deep, beeline to the line of scrimmage to fill a gap there, right? To run support with a precise angle and get down there in what? I don't know, a, a second and a half potentially to the ball. You that's the kind of guy you need when you play with a light box. Because he can get from point A to point B really quickly. And just because you only got six guys in the in the in the box doesn't mean you only got six guys in the run fit. I can have eight guys in the fit. There's only six guys in the box. You can have Jalen Jalen Catalan in the fit as a as a as a as a deep safety. And he's one of those guys that can, and it's rare, it's a rare skill that can get down. I call him an alley cat and run the alley and get down to the football and still run support in the box from a deep position. It's rare to be able to do it, but he can do it. And that's why I think he should play more in this game, too. Ali Catalan. That's oh, you. Just, How about that? Just, that's, he's, he's I'll put it in the trade. You said it. 
You just you didn't even realize you were saying oh, it. So you man. get the credit. You get the trademark. That's I'll, I'll have my patent guy call your guy. But the quintessential guy will call Allie you. Allie Catalan, you said it, and I was thinking, my goodness, he doesn't realize oh, what he just spit. But that's, that's a good. great – it's not just a cool nickname. That's actually a great uh, comparison and evaluation of him. Hey, yeah. Matthew, Lane Seawright. Let's go to Lane Seawright's uh, comment next, if you don't mind, because this kind of um, – it's uh, related a little bit to something that uh, Rod said in his last statement talking about uh, Gabriel's uh, accuracy. So uh, Texas Homer, who has a, a great podcast, and I think he partners with Paul Wadlington on occasion for some things. That's good job. Uh, he had so uh, he had a comment uh, about the completion percentage for short throws. So Lane's comment uh, on the Super Chat is, I hear a lot about uh, Dylan Gabriel's deep ball, but Texas Homer showed he likes short throws, hence a high completion percentage. So what really drives the OU offense? Yeah, it's a good. I mean, he's a good quarterback. <laughs> Period. He's a, it's just, he's the best quarterback Texas face. I think that without, I think if you take away their deep ball, I I think they'll be against the Texas defense. I think they'll struggle to to put together a long sustained drive against Texas. Texas really good breaking on the short underneath stuff. Think about what your Dave Barron does. <laughs> it's a quick yeah. game with David Brenda. Right, exactly. He's been snuffing out screen passes like a yeah. yeah, right. And think about what you just said about Malik Muhammad and how quickly he closes in on things. The quick you can throw the quick game against Texas, but you're not gonna get a lot of yak yards that way against Texas. What was the last time we saw somebody get yak yards on a quick game throw against Texas defense? It's I, I can't even really recall it. Really, what teams have gotten against Texas is the deep ball down the field. They've gotten that not a lot. It's not a systemic issue or anything, but that's one of the few things that has worked has been that they're so fast. And Jade Barron, guys like that, they diagnose plays so well, Jaden Ford. I, I, I'm confident if, if you can take away the deep ball from Oklahoma and give them their running game with their averaging less than four yards per carry and their underneath throws, I'll take that all day or day and twice on Sunday. I think the deep ball is what can blow it wide open and it forces Texas to have to de- have to back their defenders up to defend that deep ball, which will open up those underneath throws to give you yak yards. Texas plays really aggressively in coverage. Um, I'm surprised Texas hadn't seen more double moves, probably because they don't have enough time for those double moves to develop down the field because Byron Murphy and Tavondre Sweater in their face. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it, he's a good quarterback. But like I said, I would take away the deep ball if I'm Texas and then force him to beat me with underneath passes. And also, when you think about driving the OU offense, this thing's missing stuff that 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 Bob Stoops and, and Lincoln Riley didn't miss. There's no C.D. Lamb. There's no Marvin Mims. There's no Ramondre Stevenson. Stevenson. Yeah. They are not – they don't have the – now, they've got some great young guys. They, they, they recruited well last year, and, and they're recruiting really well this year, too, getting Taylor Tatum, the kid out of, a, out of, out of Longview, Texas. But they don't have those same guys. And so I don't think they have that guy that can put fear into you. C.D. Lamb put some fear into a defense. You know, Malcolm mm-hmm. Kelly and, 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 and DeMarco Murray had kind of that fear factor. Oh, you doesn't have those scary offensive guys like they used to have. There's no Jermaine Gresham. And mm-hmm. I think that actually helps Texas as well. That's a good point. Another super chat here from a uh, funny name, Girth Nowitzki. That's just Nowitzki. <laughs> Well so, Gertha, uh, hey, I'm surprised that Teddy Lehman slowed down enough for anybody to uh, get him near a microphone to make a comment because he is apparently – remember back when Teddy Lehman was considered the fastest man on the planet Earth? So, uh, 
Teddy Lehman, I've seen some of his podcasts on YouTube. So he's, uh, I know he's got one up there in Oklahoma. I presume it's in Oklahoma. So what are y'all's thoughts? I haven't heard this comment, but I'm assuming that Girth knows what he's talking about. So he says, what are y'all's thoughts on Teddy Lehman, the former Oklahoma linebacker, suggesting that Quinn Ewers doesn't have elite arm talent and OU has a major quarterback advantage. If that's indeed what Teddy said, what would the, you guys say to such a comment? I would say it probably has as much stock as his NFL career. Ooh. Um, Ooh. That's it. Quinn Ewers has an arm that can touch every blade of grass on the field. That's not, that's not hyperbole. That's not Rod and I, you know, built creating a player on NCAA. That's scientific fact. Like Quinn Ewers can chunk the ball elite. Why do you think Sark goes deep so much? It's an elite arm. It's one of the best you're going to see. It's one of the best I've ever seen in person. OU does not hold a, an advantage at quarterback. If there's one spot on this field, on this team right now, that Texas has a, a decided advantage, it's it's the quarterback room. Because after after Quinn, you've got Malik Murphy, who in, in, in a little bit of short time has looked good. Has, I think could, could come in at a pinch and do some, some good things. You've got Arch Manning, who had a tremendous summer and great uh, fall camp, you know, that's a guy that, that could do some damage. I'll give OU a tad of, of credit. Jackson Arnold, that's the five-star or four-star kid they got out of Denton Geyer last year. Yeah. He's going to get he's gonna get a chance at some point, whether it is this year, next year. He's going to get a chance, and when he does, he's going to be good. But to have a quarterback advantage at this moment, no. Teddy's Teddy's going a little homerism, and, and that's natural. Yeah. A lot of those Oklahoma outlets, that's – it's a small community. It's a small world. They they don't know a whole lot outside of their little bubble. But for Teddy to say that, just understand there's no Roy Williams coming behind him to jump over Brett Robbins' face to, for this yeah. comment. I got uh, you. Yeah, no, I think Justin, well said. Uh, I'll just throw this out there. We, we were having a little thought experiment uh, on um, the morning show I do with my man E. Hogan. And essentially, this is the, the thought experiment that I proposed. Look at both of the rosters, Texas and Oklahoma. And if you could, as a Texas fan, you could take any player from the Oklahoma roster to upgrade a position on the Texas roster, what player from the Oklahoma roster would you take to upgrade and take over the Texas player at the same position on the roster? How many, Justin? How many? I think I found two, maybe two or three. I would take Stetsman. The kicker, <laughs> the kicker, the um, kicker, the stutzman, the linebacker. Ben, he's a, he's yeah, a, but you know what? Benda has changed my ways of thinking yeah. this year. I, I David, I used to hold David Benda back for not being explosive enough, or twitchy, or fast enough. Yeah, he is. Pro he's proven me wrong so far on that end. Um, man, that's a good question. It ain't many. That's a, a really good many. question, Rod. Yeah. It ain't me. And you, you feel arrogant saying, well, maybe one or two. And you're like, it's Oklahoma. But I just think it shows you. And you can go do it from the other side if you want to, Oklahoma Sooner fans. I'm not trying to be. Right, <laughs> right, right. right. Um, but the thought experiment is that Texas has a distinct advantage when it comes to talent here this season. Or this Texas OU game. Like, there's yeah. no question about this. That's like maybe one or two players. I can't think of a time, maybe last year, I guess, too. But I can't think of an era of Texas OU where it's been that lopsided, the advantage 
from the talent side. For and that's because of Lincoln Riley leaving when he left. That's because Venables coming in when he did. That's the transition that they're going through with a new staff. And yep. Texas is taking a decided advantage of that right now. And deservedly so. That's where that's what you're supposed to do, right? You're supposed to to pounce when you when you when you when you see blood, and that's what this staff has been able to do. Venables is going to correct that. The yeah, talent sure. will match each other. I'm telling you, know that college football it's cyclical, but it doesn't on Saturday. Hey, this is almost time to wrap things up. I'm going to spend the last couple of minutes of our show talking about somebody we have barely even talked about tonight, but he might be the breakout star of the 2023 season, Jonathan Brooks. So. I'm in the stands, cheap seats. I'm kind of a cheap guy. And so we're up high in the end zone. I can see angles. I can see holes develop and things. This kid's vision is pretty incredible. So he sees the whatever's there. There's very few false steps. He hits the hole, hits it with power, has some speed to get through, can juke a safety, and he's gone. So, Rod, let me throw it to you first mm-hmm. if you'd like to be the guy to take this. So what are you seeing out of Jonathan, and why is he – looking like one of the very best running backs in college football. Yeah, it, it, you're right. It, it, it is sudden, such a, a, a surprise and a pleasant surprise, by the way, because one of the things I think we're all worried about post Bijan, post Rojo, what's the running game going to look like? Uh, I'll give the offensive line credit. I think they deserve some. It seems like there is more of a push on that offensive line. Now they're playing with some nastiness, but I'm so happy for Jay Brooks. I really am. I mean, it's tough playing behind. Bijan and Rojo, man. It's got to be tough hearing about Bijan and Rojo all the time. I'm sure he's happy for him, but he's a competitor, right? And he wanted that spot. He was competing with C.J. Baxter for the spot. And even the start, right? He didn't He didn't win the starting job. C.J. Baxter won a starting job as a true freshman. And yet, you tell this kid's got some testicular fortitude about him. There was no quit. He did not get down on himself. He took the rare opportunity when C.J. Baxter had an injury or couldn't finish a game and decided, this is my moment. And I'm going to seize the day. And I love it. And Sark, by the way, I still don't think he's acknowledged and named him as a starting running back. And now I think Sark initially, he wasn't doing it because it was a, a true competition. Now I think Sark recognizes the competitive sickness in this kid. And this kid, basically, he's going he's gonna to go out there and run his butt off like he's mad at the grass to force Sark to name him the starting running back. And Sark may be like, you know what? I'm not going to do it if you're going to keep playing like that. Right? If you're going to be playing like you're just angry and mad at the world. I love his patience. I love his vision. There's a difference between being patient and dancing in the hole. Sometimes mm-hmm. with CJ Baxter at second level, he'll dance a little bit, but not Jay Brooks. He gets to second level, and it's his patience to allow blocks to get into place, to allow the hole to develop. And then, the like you say, he's got great vision, but the balance when he gets there, the ankle tackles, they're not getting him. You got to get him down with a sturdy tackle, hold on to him, and hang on and hope for help. He's that kind of runner. I, I'm just happy for him, man. I'm happy for proving a lot of people wrong. And for really for, you know, basically forcing Sark to, to, to make him the starting running back, even though Sark wanted to leave it an open competition, there is no competition. It's his spot. It, Brooks' running style reminds me of the car Fred Flintstones used to drive. And the feet would just go real, 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 real quick underneath underneath the, the, the frame of the car. It would stay balanced, the heads up, steady, you know, that. But those feet, da 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 that's what it reminds me of. You guys, you nailed it. It's the vision. It's the patience. Yeah. It's the following the blocks. Here's where I, I think everyone kind of missed on him. This Joker's touching 21, 22 miles per hour on the field. That was always the thing they held against him, that he wasn't the speed guy. He didn't have that Bijan burst, or he didn't have the Roshan size and toughness between the tackle. 
He doesn't need to. This dude has scored on touchdowns 40-plus multiple times without being touched. Yeah. <laughs> if he's not fast, I don't know what fast is. All I know is he has surprised us all, and I love what Sark said about him. I believe it was Monday in his presser. He said, he's been our home run guy. He's, it's the most unexpected thing. He's been the guy that's that's had, had the big home run hits and scores, and we talked about it all offseason. This passing game is going to open up so many holes. All you got to do is drive through them, and Jonathan Brooks right now, he's, he's driving like he's a, a five-star, commendable. Yeah, he's been a great story. Hey, guys, we really appreciate it. And thanks to everyone in the comments uh, section tonight. You, you were great, and we really appreciate all the uh, super chats and all the comments and you conducting uh, your own kind of organic uh, conversation over there. That's always a, a great thing that we see every Wednesday night. Again, you're watching the Longhorn live stream. I'm Ray, along with Justin and Rod. And we're, we're very grateful for you uh, coming and joining us uh, every Wednesday night for this. We'll be back again uh, Next week, uh, tomorrow morning, coffee and football with the Bobby, and I presume Jerry and Blake will be there, and they'll be talking about some things. I think I heard Bobby this morning say he's going to get an uh, Oklahoma writer join the crew in the morning so you can hear what's going on uh, behind enemy lines there. I'm sure he'll share everything with the Coach Venables game plan, right? So uh, that'll do it for uh, this edition of Longhorn Livestream. Uh, on behalf of uh, Matthew, our producer, Rod and Justin, I'm Ray, and thank you so much for watching. Hook them and uh, beat OU. Welcome.